I think in simple ways, holding a door for someone, smiling at people. Um, when we have the opportunity to do a simple good deed, we find out that there's some family whose house has been burned down and uh, they didn't have renter's insurance. You know, sending them a contribution is, is another way to do that kind of thing. These are simple but powerful ways that we can, uh, I think, leave the love of God with people. Welcome to Charisma Connection. My name is Jesslyn, and today we are here with a super special guest, Governor Mike Huckabee, to talk about his new show, which is also coincidentally named after him. Hello, Mr. Huckabee. Welcome to our show. Jesslyn, it's great to be with you, and, and I guess they couldn't come up with something more creative than Huckabee, so that's what the show is going to be called. You know what? I don't blame you. My name is Jesslyn Justice, and I happen to really like my last name, and I feel like I should be a judge one day, and that would make an excellent TV show, too, and I wouldn't change my name. I'd use that as my title. I like that. You should go to law school and do it, except that I think we got enough lawyers as it is, although I think you'd be a different kind of lawyer <laughs> and maybe one we could live with. I'm a little sassy, and I have no patience, so I don't... I'd be very entertaining to watch on television, actually. I'm not going to There you lie. go. I frequently say I need a reality show out of my life. But we're not here to talk about me today. We are actually here to talk about your show, Huckabee, which is now going to be on TBN. And so just for people who may not be familiar with what you had on Fox, can you give us a rundown of what your new show is going to be like? Well, Jocelyn, it'll be a show that will be a wide variety if people are thinking that it's going to be just one hour of argumentative politics, they're going to be very surprised. No one needs any uh, more there will of be, that right now. We really don't. I mean, we have so much of it. Now, there'll be political content. There'll be issues of the day. But even in how I approach those issues, it's going to be very different because what I don't want to do is to have the typical political ping-pong game where you mm -hmm. have a Democrat and a Republican basically just trading talking points from each of their parties it's very predictable, and quite honestly, I get bored with it because I know what they're going to say. Mm -hmm. And I know that they half the time don't even mean it. So what I'm looking for is a show in which we talk very intelligently, thoughtfully, and across the political spectrum about what do these issues mean? What do the terms even mean? Because I think there's an assumption that everybody says, oh, I know what a Medicaid waiver is. Oh, yeah, sure, I, I get what a you know graduated tax means and how that is affecting me. So to break it down and then to give people a more practical approach and to ask not is it left or right, liberal or conservative, Democrat or Republican, but is it good or bad? Does mm -hmm. it help us or does it hurt us? It's what I call the difference between the horizontal politics of left and right and what I'd like to practice, which is the vertical politics of does it take us up or does it take us down and why? So that's that's going to be a real focus. But the show is also going to have a lot of things that you don't see on television. Uh, we're going to have comedians and music, and we're going to have uh, fun with the audience that <laughs> will be a part of our studio every week we tape. So there's going to be a wide variety. It's going to be, in some ways, the first thing on television in years that has truly been a family-oriented, wholesome, variety kind of show with a just enough politics to keep it current and interesting, but not so much to raise your blood pressure. That is a really good spiel. But the important question is, are you going to break out your guitar on stage? Oh, absolutely. My producer really wanted is, to know that, so I have asked it. We've well, set you know, the, record the show, <laughs> we're going to do it in Nashville, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it's Music City, USA. Absolutely. Uh, we have a beautiful studio that has just been built out just for the show. But 
to go to Nashville and not do music uh, would would kind of like be going to, uh, I guess, New York City and not getting a street hot dog. I mean, there's <laughs> some things you just got to do. So uh, we'll have a lot more music than I had on my show at Fox. Mm-hmm. It'll be an integral part. We're going to spend time getting to know the artist. We'll have many artists that people have grown up with that, that are superstars. And then we'll have people that are up and coming that uh, maybe you're not that familiar with yet, but you will be. Uh, we'll have a feature called Huck's Heroes. Ooh. We're going to f- just put a spotlight on people that you've never heard of, but who have done some pretty incredible things for their neighbors, their communities, um, people that really make America great, mm. but perhaps have never been on the front page of the paper. Is it too early for me to ask to be on this show already? Not at all. Yes. Love to have I'm going to go ahead and throw my name in that hat. Um, <laughs> even though I was like, you realize you don't know me, but I can be I can be an entertaining person. It's all right. There you go. Uh, so what role does Faith play as you're going to interview these people and get to know their stories? Well, this is TBN's first approach, and it's a, a pretty bold move on their part to, uh, to do a show that is not overtly religious in content. Uh, TBN has historically been a show where 24-7 their programming was very Christian-focused and largely ministry-focused with teaching, preaching programs, and uh, even other content, but it was designed for an inspirational community. Mm-hmm. I want to think of my show as not so much a religious show, but a television show of the broadest means that happens to be hosted by a uh, believing Christian, unapologetic in my own worldview as it relates to my relationship to Christ. We'll have guests, for sure, Jesslyn, that are not believers, Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes to talk about maybe a project they're dealing with. Sometimes it may be because they're just fascinating and we want to talk to them. Um, But then we'll also have the freedom, a freedom that really you can't have on a television network like Fox, so that there'll be some people who will have a very powerful story that can only be explained by their relationship Mm -hmm. to Christ, and we're not going to have any restrictions on being able to talk very openly about that. So it's one of the reasons that I could not be more thrilled about this. And uh, Matt Crouch, who has taken over the reins of the network once his uh, parents have passed away, Mm -hmm. uh, the founders of TBN, Paul and Jan Crouch, uh, you know, Matt wants to take TBN, uh, building on its foundation, but take it to a, a much broader audience and our show is one of the first attempts to try to begin to get viewers from other channels and networks who may not be familiar with TBN uh, to come and watch, and we hope they will. One of the things I love about what you said is that it's not explicitly faith-focused. It's led by someone who is a person of faith. And I think many of us feel that way in our jobs, is that even though we may not have a Christian job, then we may work at a secular company or through a secular nonprofit or something, like who we are affects what we do and how we say it and it affects the way that we look at other people. And I just love that you guys are willing to say, you know, not everything has to be all about faith all the time, but there's a way to present a healthy worldview and a faith-filled worldview without just slapping you across the head with it. Well, and one of the things that I've always tried to say to younger people is, um, if you want to serve God, there are many ways to do it. You don't have to be a pastor or a missionary. Mm -hmm. You know, we need people who see the fashion industry as a mission field, who see the financial world and being, you know, the leaders on Wall Street. I wish we had more Christians who were truly running Wall Street rather than people who live totally by greed. 
I wish we had people that were in the movie industry, and thankfully we have many more who are getting into the movie industry and producing mm-hmm. high-quality films that have, if not overtly Christian content, at least has content that is not offensive and repulsive to people who have real convictions about mm-hmm. things. So in all of these arenas, I want there to be people who are uh, clear and unabashed in their faith, but who take it into the most secular realm uh, to be the salt and light we're supposed to be. And that's what I see my role as being, you know, not to try to, uh, this show's not going to be preachy, for example. Mm -hmm. That's not the point. Um, We're going to inform, we're going to inspire, we're going to entertain. But I hope we also will edify. And it's not going to be a show that you're going to have to rush your kids out of the room because there's content that's offensive. I like to use the word wholesome. Mm. In the old-fashioned world where people could sit down as a family and watch a television show and enjoy it because there would be something for everyone. And that's what we're shooting for. I love it. I know when I was raised, my parents made me watch Lawrence Welk. And correction, not my parents, (laughs) my mother. My father was the one who was running out of the room. But even (laughs) as they spoof it on SNL, I still laugh at the baby hands. It gets me every single time. Oh, boy. That's totally relevant to this right now. I remember Saturday nights and and having to watch Lawrence Welk, and and I thought sometimes I just wanted to put my hand in an open flame (laughs) and I did not have to do it. I'm hoping that nobody is going to feel like that they're being tortured by watching the show. You know, the funny thing, and, and this I, I promise I don't have this many asides, but this is a, I love a good asides. One. They make the interview better. Well, good. Well, years later, when my parents were up in years, and, you know, I'd been married for 15 years, um, the Lawrence Welk traveling show came to the community where I lived, and I bought tickets for my parents to come and see it. And I, I've said this openly, but it was one of the best shows I have ever seen in my life. And I thought, wow, I hated this when I was a kid. What happened to me? But it was high quality. It was fun. It was entertaining. My parents had the time of their lives. They actually got to do something they never thought they would do, and that's see Lawrence Welk and all of those people in person. And And yet I went there thinking, but I just sat there thinking when I first got there, oh boy, I'm going to have to just suck it up for a couple of hours. (laughs) As it turned out, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it, for me, it's the live music now. I haven't been to the traveling show, but I actually really like big band stuff. But watching it on television when I was little, I was like, why Why are they doing this? I don't understand what's <laughs> happening. Why are they dancing? Why does it? Yes. Oh, man. Yeah. Truthfully, when I started this interview, I did not think we were going to talk about the Lawrence Welk show, but I think my mother will be very pleased that we did. There you go. I mean, who knew that that's where we would end up <laughs> on Lawrence Welk? But, you know, what I'd like to say is that I think people who watch the show are going to find a wide variety of music, everything from classic rock to obvious country music. We have a house band that will be a part of our show that's yeah. just to die for, all made up of Nashville studio musicians. Nice. The set that we've built is absolutely high quality as anything you're going to see on any network. And uh, by the way, people can come to the show. They can get tickets, be part of the studio audience, which will be a great experience. And um, if they're interested in that, you know, they can go to the TBN website and there's a link to get tickets to the show. 
our producer is very excited about this. She's like fist pumping. <laughs> and y'all realize you can't see her, but she is really enjoying this. And she's like, I'm going to go to Nashville. I'm going to get my TBN tickets. Everything's going to be awesome. Uh, I bet we can get her in. What I do you think bet? she would really enjoy that. Maybe on the episode where I'm there and she could be like, this is Jessalyn. I remember when she was just doing interviews on podcasts and now Huckabee's interviewing her. <laughs> you know, and then you and I will talk drink. about Lawrence Welk. Yes. And I, I might even perform a rendition maybe of some sort of dance across the stage in a giant flowing purple skirt. I think it'll go really well. I think it's perfect. I think yes. it's absolutely to be. <laughs> All right. Now I actually have a serious question, but you, you have uh, okay. to be able to mix serious and silly when it comes to faith because, you know, God gives us, you know, the fruit of the spirit of joy, but also you have to be able to talk about your faith and settle down a little bit. So how have you seen your personal faith affect the lives of those around you? Well, I'm watching it almost every day in the life of my daughter as uh, she goes out at the White House press briefings. That was my you know, next know, question to ask, but just yeah. go ahead. <laughs> well, I, you know, I know that, and she called me the first day she did a live press brief, and she said, you know, Dad, I'm nervous. What should I do? And I said, you know what to do. She said, mm-hmm. well, I'm praying, and I'm just asking God for peace and wisdom. And I said, okay, then he'll give it to you. And afterwards, I talked to her, and she said, you know, I went out there. And I knew this is where I'm supposed to be, and oh, I was calm. Yes. And anyone that watches her can say, how does she stay so calm? They're just peppering her with hard questions. And the reason is is because she knows where her strength comes from. Amen. And that's refreshing to me as a dad to see her in that very high-pressure environment. But rather than escalating the tension in the room, she has a wonderful presence just to de-escalate it and to maintain her calm. So, I mean, that's how I see faith playing out immediately in a very public way um, that many people across the country can see that in her. But frankly, I see it every day. It's it's how mm-hmm. I take care of a server at a restaurant. You know, it, it's just respecting point. that person who brings the food to the table and not just respecting them with courtesy and kindness and listening carefully to what they're asking of me, but it's then giving them an extraordinarily generous gratuity, to thank them, mm. phys- you know, tangibly. Uh, you know, I want, when I leave the restaurant, to be the one that they say, gosh, if that guy ever comes back, I want his table. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've, I've heard horror stories mm-hmm. of people who are believers, the church groups after Sunday night church are the worst, that don't tip their waiters. I worked in and their waiters. Service. I get this. You know, and it's it's, to me, a terrible witness. And I think we ought to be the ones that just abound in generosity. Mm-hmm. And if we have to skip dessert and an appetizer and to put it all on the gratuity, and I know I'm going off on this, but Tesla and I just feel like this is a witness. This is how we demonstrate our faith. It's not by how loud we sing or how eloquent we pray. It's how we treat other people that really is a witness. I mean, that's exactly what Jesus said, and he did. You mentioned the restaurants. Are there other tangible, everyday ways that maybe we as believers are missing as an opportunity to share the love of Christ? Well, I think in simple ways, holding a door for someone, mm-hmm. smiling at people. Um, when we have the opportunity to do a simple good deed, we find out that there's some family whose house has been burned down and uh, they didn't have renter's insurance. Mm-hmm. You know, sending them a contribution is, is another way to do that kind of thing. These are simple but powerful ways that we can, uh, I think, leave the love of God with people. Mm. I know that is so true. I had 
an interview, I guess a few years ago, where the lady was talking about seeing the thumbprints of God in every little situation. And so as I've tried to take notice of this, I've also tried to point them out to others. And I mean, even in my personal experience working for Charisma, I've actually had some people who say they're believers that are not the nicest people to me. And I think it can be so difficult. Like, I'm sure you know, like in politics, other people who are believers are calling you out and condemning you. And you're like, wait, I thought we were on the same team. And that team is to honor God. How do you handle criticism like that? For the most part, I just don't take it personally. Uh, I've been in the political waters for so long, and it's truly Mm -hmm. shark-infested. That for the most part, you know, I'll say something on Twitter that I think is funny, and I'm doing it with amusement. I really enjoy your Twitter account, so I'll throw that out there. Oh, well, thank you. But most people, uh, not most, but there are a lot of people who take everything so literally, seriously, and personally, and they react with anger and hostility and Mm -hmm. sometimes the most vicious hate. And, you know, people say, does that bother you? I said, no, it bothers me for them, but not for me. You know, I, I don't accept that somehow that they have a true insight into me, but it bothers me that someone would be so vicious toward another person without even knowing that person. Mm-hmm. And here's what I find most interesting, Jessalyn, is oh, when yeah. someone will say in response to something I've done on Twitter, and they'll say, uh, you're irrelevant. Nobody cares what you think. And I'm thinking, well, pal, you must, because you're following <laughs> me on Twitter. Ain't you're wasting your time on me. And then you even take the time to comment. So I'm important enough to you. If I'm not, then quit following me. There's no law that requires it. But I think we have to realize that when people are that angry and Mm -hmm. are always lashing out, the problem isn't at their target. Mm -hmm. Their problem is internal. And they're very unhappy. And the bitterness and the anger that they're holding in, I wouldn't trade it with them for anything in the world. Because it'll eventually take take their lives. And I'm thinking, golly, lighten up a bit. I've got a simple philosophy, and I think you'll see it exhibited on the show. Mm -hmm. We need to take God seriously, but not take ourselves so seriously. I love that. And I see so many people, Jessalyn, that are doing the opposite. They take themselves so seriously, but then they don't take God seriously. Mm. That's a recipe for disaster. At first, I thought you were going to say your philosophy was going to be Hakuna Matata, and then you took it to someplace so much deeper than that. And, but that is that is so true, and we have got to lighten up. I know with believers, it can be a challenging time because, especially in the political spectrum, and many people say like America is on a moral decline. You're like, well, we've really got to buckle down and take this seriously. But God gave us so many opportunities, even just in nature, to laugh and to giggle and just to appreciate what He's done for us. Well, I believe in. Being created in God's image, it means that if we have a sense of humor, God has a sense of humor. And frankly, I know he does. Look around and see some of the people he's made, and you say, God definitely has got a sense of humor. I don't disagree with that statement, but maybe... (laughs) No, we're good. We're talking. My producer's laughing at that, too. Um, Okay, so a little bit more about the country right now. Um, we had actually reached out some to some of our listeners to see if they had any questions for you, um, which I actually kind of experienced. I won't say I experienced it onto the scale or the extent that you might receive it on a daily basis from social media. But even among my Bible-believing, Christ-following friends, people weren't so happy. And I'm like, 
that this is an awesome guy with an awesome story and willing to stand up for his faith. But we did have some good questions. And one question is, do you view the trials of the United States as a soon revival of the gospel or a true depravity such as what Babylon experienced? I think in many ways we are getting our just desserts for having abandoned a godly worldview. Mm-hmm. When we begin to um, put aside the scriptures as a standard, and we begin to want to make God in our image rather than to be created in his, I, I think we create for ourselves a culture that is self-destructive. Mm-hmm. And whether it's our redefinition of marriage, whether it's the slaughter of 60 million innocent unborn babies, mm-hmm. I don't know how we can even say, God bless us, even as we're doing things that defy the very essence of what God has created and the good that that he wants for us. Mm-hmm. So I believe that um, there's a great need for national repentance Amen. and God awareness. When, when I grew up as a kid, uh, and I grew up in the South as you did, it, it wasn't that our public schools were religious in nature, but nobody was afraid of being uh, God-conscious. Mm-hmm. And, and that doesn't mean that we had a sectarian view that was instilled upon us But there was always that sense that there is a God, he's real, he knows us, he's involved in our world, and even if my teacher doesn't see me, even if my parents don't catch me at this, God is watching, and I'm going to be accountable. I think that to the degree that we have stepped away from that awareness of his presence, we have become a very uh, coarse and, frankly, unhappy, and oftentimes a, a mean people, mm-hmm. and that's not something I cherish. Mm-mm. I'm just sitting here thinking about all the mean people I know, which thankfully isn't too many. Have you ever had an experience where you felt your Bible-based beliefs actually went against what your party was talking about? Well, you know, I don't know that I can say that there was some issue. I, I never feel like that I have to, um, you know, be a complete uh, Audemon for any political party. And frankly, I've often said, and this is just frankly true, if my party ever was anything but a pro-life party, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to be a part of it. Amen. Um, because for me, that's a fundamental issue of civilized people. Civilized people don't kill its own babies. And I just don't think that when you begin to deny the worth and value of other human beings, that anything that you as a civilization, with that as a framework, it, it just doesn't end well. Mm-hmm. And it's not about abortion. I, I want people to clearly understand. When I, when I tell people I'm pro-life, I, I make it clear. This isn't about abortion. This is about recognizing that every human life has intrinsic worth and value. It means that the kid with Down syndrome is no less valuable than the captain of the football team. Right. That we don't elevate one person and say, this person is really valuable, this person, this person is expendable. We say no person is worthless. Now, I don't know why even liberals couldn't uh, come to grips with that, Uh, but sometimes in the name of uh, political correctness, there are people who believe that the right to take the human life of another Mm -hmm. is so sacred that they don't think that the life they take is sacred, and I find that confusing. I completely understand where you're coming from. 
you have actually answered almost all of my questions. At the end of every interview, I like to do a special segment in which I will ask you a very simple like item, and you're supposed to give me your favorite of it. Can you manage that? I'll see what I can do. <laughs> all right. Well, it starts out easy because I need to know your favorite Bible verse. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Your favorite restaurant? Oh, I have so many. Uh, there's many restaurants down there where I live in Florida that are just fantastic, but probably, oh boy, how do I pick one? Uh, there's, I'll tell you what, I'll pick a, a, a small little family-owned restaurant Those called Cafe best. Tango. Ooh. It's great. It has it. about nine tables, and it's just phenomenal food. Those really are hole in the walls. Oh my goodness, they're my favorite. Your favorite yeah. book? Um, favorite book is probably Francis Schaeffer's "Whatever Happened to the Human Race," and that's, that's because it was such a powerful book in helping shape some of my worldview. What about your favorite Veggie Tale character? Sorry, I just don't even know them. <laughs> you know, That's all right. My kids were even too old for veggie tales. Yes, so. I was like, I think she's. <sighs> I, we just have that one in there, and you'd be surprised how many people don't actually know veggie tales. We thought, like, yeah, this will get them. No, your favorite board game. I'll, I'll just give you this oh. one. Favorite cartoon, Popeye the Sailor. That dates me, but that there you go. You'll take it. It's great, and olive oil, and the baby whose name I cannot remember right now. Sweet pea. Sweet pea. I should I should yeah. know that because peas are my favorite vegetable, but somehow I cannot remember <laughs> Popeye's baby name. All right, your favorite board game? I don't like them, but if I do, it would be checkers. Really? Yeah. Well, you know what? That's fair. Just... It's a growing trend, though. All right, your favorite TV show besides your own? Uh, current or anytime ever. You know what? Anytime ever. The old Andy Griffith show. Oh, that's such a classic. We used to have a bird you know? in our neighborhood who could whistle the song, and so whenever we would walk outside and oh. walk our dogs, the bird would like whistle the Andy Griffith song every time we walked by. How cool is that? It kind of startled me the first time I heard it. I'm like, I now, hear this. Now here's Andy one Griffith for you. Song. Do you know what the name of that song is? I do not. It's called The Fishing Hole. It is. That's the name of the Andy Griffith theme song. Yes. This has been trivia with Mike Huckabee. Tune in I know. Time. How about that? Uh, all right. Your favorite date spot? My favorite date spot. What your spot? place to take your wife. Oh, date spot. Or is this also going to be cafe? I'm thinking fishing. No. Um, we were just talking spot. about fishing, but no, this is not about fishing. <laughs> unless she likes to go fishing, in which case, yes. Nah, fishing. She's not really into that, which is unfortunate. My favorite date spot, and maybe I hope hers. Um, is probably a cruise line. Ooh. We like to just, because it's relaxing. Get out. It's an escape. Yes. Yeah. That sounds really nice right now. I'm going to go ahead and go on yeah. a cruise. Um, your favorite dad joke? Oh, well, some people say all of my jokes are dad jokes. <laughs> That's what I get all the time. And, you know, I'm accused of uh, putting up a lot of groaners, which is fine. Um, I love a good pun. Not gonna lie. Uh, I use a lot of puns, and you know, I'm trying to think. You know, when Ted Cruz, this is just one. It's not necessarily my favorite. <laughs> it's just one that pops in the head. But when he recently was accused of, you know, having looked at porn, and there were some people, he said it was his staff members, and it was an inadvertent thing. So I tweeted out a thing, and I said, "This is not fair. You guys should leave Ted alone." 
he wasn't thinking porn. He was thinking corn because he was looking forward to being back in Iowa in 2020. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Not everybody did, but it's okay. there you go. I thought it was funny. It really tickled me. <laughs> It wasn't mean. I was just trying to, you know, take away the attention because I, I thought it really was an unfair criticism of him. Who knows if some staffer inadvertently looked at and and you know it's not the end of the world. So, all right. And last but not least, as the former governor of Arkansas, do you have a prediction on this year's Arkansas football season? Well, let me tell you this: if they don't beat Texas A&M tomorrow, um, it's going to be dismal. But I'm, I'm worried. You're worried. But let's just go out on the limb and say they'll go seven and four. Okay. That's a bold prediction. Let's I know hope. nothing about Arkansas football, but, you know, it's football season. Let's ask. Well, I'll tell you this. In Arkansas, um, football is not a sporting activity. It's a religious experience. You're saying that to the girl who's from Alabama and had to pick an allegiance early on or face death. I'll tell you this, Jocelyn. When somebody tells me they're from Alabama, first thing I do is say, War Eagle or Roll Tide. War Eagle. And if they hesitate, you're War Eagle. But if they hesitate, see, you didn't. You were right there. If they hesitate, I say, you ain't from Alabama. Because <laughs> they're not. And the thing is, is I'm even apathetic about it, but I worked for the newspapers there. I'm very familiar with the culture. And you have to pick a side. It doesn't matter. You've got to pick. That's all right. right. That is all I have for you today. Could you actually pray us out and maybe pray for our listeners? I will. Lord, we are so grateful to have the life that you give us, grateful to live in this wonderful country. Thankful, God, that even when we don't see it, feel it, or or even know it, you never leave us or forsake us. Take root in the hearts of everyone who listens. Speak worth and truth to every person. And let us be grateful for every day we have that we live in your grace. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.